the Brothers in Kayfabe. For over two seasons, the revolutionary force in brotherly kayfabe entertainment. And now, Pro Wrestling and Being a Good Brother present the Brothers in Kayfabe. I am El Gigante Jake Kinzer Keel coming to you live from the Brothers in Kayfabe studio to my right in the studio is Mr. Aslan, Landon Bumgarner. As always, it is my great privilege and honor to be here on the Brothers in Kayfabe podcast, man. It seems like forever since we last recorded, but it's only been one week, so that tells you how long the weeks are getting. The only two real things in wrestling. Goodness gracious. Are the miles and the money. I don't know what that has to do with what we're talking about, but we are talking about all things good brotherly and softly brothering. So We softly brother as we go on. As we do. Jake, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing really great. Uh... It's been a fun week. Um, experienced my first Father's Day today, so happy for happy Father's Day to all the baddy daddies out there. You're always welcome in the daddy section with Kinzer Keel. But yeah, it's great Father's Day. Um, got this shirt for Father's Day. For those that don't see it, the Elegantes... Wear, I don't know what what I'm wearing is brought to you by Roosevelt's, the finest Roosevelt shirts. These are great shirts. I, we're not even sponsored, and I want to put them over. So uh, Roosevelt shirts, go get you some. They've got some wrestling shirts, too. I've got a Ric Flair one. Um, during COVID, they even gave away free masks made out of their uh, material. But uh, Landon, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Spent some time by the pool, pretending I was booking Monday Night Raw in the early 90s. There you go. It's a great day. I've actually, my poolside book last summer and this summer, this shows you how little time I've actually spent at the pool because I haven't finished it yet, has been Mick Foley's The Hardcore Diaries. It is a book he wrote in 2006, chronicling um, mainly his 2006 return, but also... He goes into some of the things in 03 and 04. So it's been a great read. I told you I learned some things today. So it's been it's been a good day. I'm in a good it's, mood. It's funny you bring that up. I've been uh binging Foley is Pod. Um Mick Foley's new pod with Conrad Thompson. And I don't know about you, but I could listen to Mick Foley tell stories all day long. Um Mick Foley's going to be kind of a running theme for me today. I know a little bit for you, too. Um, he's just one of those guys that you just... He's the top of the top in this industry, and you just kind of forget about him sometimes. Yeah. 
So it, it's uh, true. It's crazy how, <clears throat> especially at the peak of the Attitude Era, how popular he was. Yeah, how much he did as far as merch goes. I mean, literally, I think it's 1998. He's voted for the first time ever. They did Time Magazine's Man of the Year. <clears throat> they did it as an online poll, and Mick Foley won. But yeah. Time Magazine was like, "Well, that's not a real thing." And so they, I can't remember who won it that year. But literally, he won the poll by a landslide, and they were like, "Well, that doesn't count." So we're just gonna go with. Our person, and that's how the electoral college works. That's insane. That is so insane. Uh, yeah, dude, like it's, he was crazy over, and it's crazy to think how short his main event run was. Yeah, because you think of mankind, you think, oh, he was there like all the way through the attitude era into the mid 2000s. Like, no, he retired for the first time in 2000. <laughs> yeah, like. And he only really got over what ninety eight. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, that's where he was over from the start. But like, but that's when he becomes, you know, white hot. Yeah, and takes so, on, which is crazy. I mean, to the point they even put the belt on him, and it's literally the highest rated segment in professional wrestling history. Nothing else comes even close to it. Right. Which says a lot, and people are like, well, Mick Foley was good, but he's never one of the greats. And it's like, well, he was in one of the highest, literally the highest rated segment of all time. Yeah. Regardless of your precious demographics. Highest rated of all time across the de demos. But we are the Brothers in Kayfabe podcast. Um, we've got a little bit of uh, housekeeping to uh, go over real quick. Number one, the biggest piece of housekeeping news is you hear us as a broken record at this point, but the heat is on at the J.I. Stipe Center July 16th. McAllister, Oklahoma, $10 to get in the door. If you have one of those VIP tickets, you get in at 5 p.m., otherwise 5.45 general admission. Go buy some gimmicks, support your local wrestler. Heat is on July 16th. I will be on commentary. Kinzer Keel making his NCWO debut. And uh, <laughs> I got to tell you, I sent off my jacket today to a gear maker to get all completed for the show and like I have never felt as giddy in my life as I the guy who is making my jacket for my debut is the same guy that makes CM Punk's gear who makes Sting's gloves nice. who makes Thunder Rosa's gear like just guy I've befriended and he was like yeah dude I can do that I can do exactly what you want on there I was like cool Here's I'm shipping to to you. Here's a label. Here's a return label. Also inside one of these bad boys with a Kinzer Keel autograph. Probably going to be the only one that's only signed by Kinzer Keel. So the trading cards are available. Beautiful, 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 beautiful trading cards. We've got the picture on the screen once again. We have 200 of these bad boys. 200. I've got them in my hand. They're here. 
You hear that? That's yeah. the fine sound of a trading card. Hey, get yourself a bicycle and stick that in the spoke and you got a cool little sound. It's going to sound like Mick Foley. <laughs> yeah. Um, $5 gets you both of our autographs. This is going towards our own wrestling shows, trying to support the pod. We're going to have some more merch. There's a quick look at the backside of that card. But, you know, those those go on sale. Like I said, we have 200 of them, $5 each. They will be at our merch table at NCWO. But don't wait that long. Don't wait that long. It's free shipping. I'll put a I'll put a postage stamp on that thing. It'll be go it'll be right at your door. Get your card. Then buy another one for the loved one in your life when you go to McAllister, Oklahoma at the J.I. Stipe Center. Yeah. B-I-K dot merch slash table. D- exactly. B-I-K dot merch dot table. Look for the giant banner that says Brothers in Cafe Bonnet. We've got a new banner to put behind everything. We're looking cool now, man. We are looking so cool with all of our stuff. We're 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 official. The brothers in kayfabe as we approach episode 100. Landon uh you know, we usually watch something while we're while we're doing this. What what are you watching tonight? Are you watching anything? I am watching. I've got a playlist set up, but right now I'm currently watching Kevin Steen versus El Generico for the very first time ever. Wow. From IWS Payback 2003. Literally, this match, uh, we've talked about it before, this match was thought to be lost forever. But here it is. Kevin Steen is wearing his finest gear of red and black Asics wrestling shoes, black singlet, and a red t-shirt. Nothing on the t-shirt, just a plain red t-shirt. Plain red t-shirt. Got it, man. That's that's fantastic. Um, what about you, Jake? I am, like I said, it's going to be a running theme through uh, the through the pod tonight. Mick Foley. I'm watching. Uh, they've got the superstars section on uh, Peacock, and um, I am watching. Mick Foley's wildest moments on Peacock. Um, nice. Just a collection of some of the craziest stuff he's done. Starts off with, can we borrow a chair? Hardcore heaven, 1994. One of the biggest gif moments of all time for wrestling. The uh, the screams and the pleas of Joey Styles begging people to please stop throwing your chairs. Please stop. And they don't. They don't. It's just, it's wonderful. Uh, it, it's literally like what I love about wrestling is the fan interaction. And this is fan interaction to its finest. Who were they even wrestling that night? Do you remember? I think I'll have to double check, but I think they were wrestling the public enemy. That makes sense. That makes sense. But they're, they're underneath a pile of chairs and it, it's great, but um, with that, you know, we've kind of got all the homework and everything out of the way. Yes, How- it was public enemy. Public enemy. Okay. We've got the uh, the housekeeping out of the way. And we will now move on to the news. And the news is brought to you by... 
Are you spending too much on your mortgage? Well, job out to interest rates no more. Call Shawnee Caulfield at GRC Residential and Commercial. Shawnee has the commitment to customer service that can't be beat. Let Shawnee recruit your mortgage business and find out what thousands of others already know. Shawnee can save you money. So call Shawnee Caulfield at 516-708-4900 or visit him at greenrivermortgage.com. NMLS ID number 1805234 Equal Housing Lender. Call for additional cost information. Other restrictions may apply. Thank you, good brother Shawnee, for taking care of us and supporting us. Forget that Mark Conrad. Reach out to Shawnee for all your mortgage needs. And we've talked about this. We're working on something secret with Shawnee to try and help people just figure out like, hey, there's a really... There's a lot that life doesn't prepare you for. There's a lot school doesn't prepare you for. And one of those things is buying a home. Yep. And Shawnee's doing the fine work of helping people figure out, hey, how do you navigate that? My wife and I, we just recently dipped our toes in that. And it was like, okay, how much money do we need to have to be able to even uh, like even think about buying a house? And right. Luckily, I wish I would have had Shawnee, but we did have a family friend who was nice enough to talk to us. But, man, Shawnee is a good brother. He'll be straight up with you, but he'll be nice with you as he gently holds your hand and softly brothers you into the world of home buying. Well, and the best part about it all is he doesn't uh, he doesn't insult your intelligence. He, you know... He speaks to you like a human being. And that's something that you don't see in that line of work very often because he understands. He's he's a good he's a good person. He wants everyone to live their dreams. So uh <laughs> get over with Shawnee. Uh don't job out to interest rates anymore. Call Shawnee today. I started laughing because right now uh, on the wildest moments of Mick Foley is the game meets Cactus Jack, September 22nd, 1997. Dude Love is doing a promo on screen on the Titantron when all of a sudden Mankind is in screen with him. He's interviewing Mankind and all of a sudden Cactus Jack shows up. All three faces of Foley is on screen are at on screen uh, at the same time. <coughs> and uh it's wonderful man. It's been it, it, it's such a great moment. But uh Landon um let's get on to the news. There's some huge huge news this week that we've got to cover. Um and the biggest of them all is probably that Austin Theory has come out and said that he has never drank a beer in his entire life and was afraid Stone Cold would offer him one. Your thoughts? Well, first of all, it's a tough business on families. Not everybody can be a wrestler. Not everybody can main event WrestleMania. Not everyone can be at the top. That's just how it is. Not everybody gets to win the Super Bowl. Not everybody gets to be in Tom Brady's position. And, there you, go. you know, regardless of if it's the right thing or not, there are people who hold the keys to the kingdom and you got to 
do what they say and what they want for you to do it. And, you know, Austin Theory's lucky that Stone Cold didn't offer him a beer and be like, hey, drink the beer. Or you don't even get to be in the segment with me. Right. Right. So, I don't um, know. Maybe <laughs> uh, Mr. Austin Theory, why don't you get together with good brother Johnny Cove and talk about some brother sauce. Maybe he can, Maybe he can guide you. So, do you want to talk about the biggest news and get it out of the way first, or do you want to save it for last? Let's save it for last. Okay. Uh, let's talk about some of the other happenings in the week. Talk about... Jake, why don't you tell us... You know, we touch on a little bit of WWE news, but what has been happening in the world of AEW? Um, There's been a lot going on. Je John Moxley is the number one contender. And will face uh, Tanahashi at Forbidden Door. Finally, this will happen. It's been a long time coming. And uh, I, for one, am so excited for that match to finally happen. Interim AEW title on the line. Um, it's going to be... It's a dream match. Let's, let's be... Let's be for real. Uh, you know, it's a dream match. Um, I will say, before you talk about it being a dream match, I thought it was weird that Tanahashi wore a suit. It was weird that he wore a suit. Especially, like, like there's... I say it's a rumor. Cornette touched on it this week. He was like, I don't think that was his suit. I think that was somebody else's suit. So what was Tanahashi wearing that they were like, hey... Put the suit on and Jim Jim shorts and a cutoff. Maybe. Um <laughs> shit, bro. I don't know. Um so uh you know, AW has had a lot of things going on this week. It, it was a great, it was a great episode of Dynamite. Uh, they knocked it out of the park again. They had the Road Rager. Um, I'm pulling up the official uh the official um, results from Road Rager. Uh, now, we all know that they film most rampages uh, the same night as Dynamite. Uh, but we're just talking about Dynamite at first. Um, sorry, it's taken a second to get over there, but it was another great, great episode. Um, you had Ortiz... And Jericho in a hair versus hair match. You had a tag team title match. We had a Will Ospreay versus Dax Hardwood. Um, Miro versus Ethan Page. Tony Storm versus Britt Baker. This is a great uh, episode of Dynamite. Uh, we saw uh, Ortiz get his hair shaved. So that was really cool. Um we saw Miro advance in the uh, All Atlantic Championship tournament. Landon, um, AEW's introduced this new championship, the All Atlantic Championship. What are your thoughts on this? I was literally about to ask you the same thing. I, I get it. I, I don't know what to think of it because I'm. Like, what is the purpose of it? Is 
you know, is it like, oh, it's only going to be defended, defend, or it's only going to be competed for and defended against people of different nations? That's what it's looking like. Or is it like, is it interpromotional? Or is it going to be, you know, a lack of a better term, uh, a meaningless title? I saw a graph the other day and it listed all of the current titles available to challenge for an AEW. And it was like the world title, the women's title, TBS, TNT, the tag titles, the ROH world title, the ROH pure title, the ROH tag titles, yeah. the AAA tag titles, the who knows if they do anything furthermore with the Owen Hart titles or if that's just the once a year for the cup. And then now this. And so it's like, man, like you can make multiple titles work, but you have to be careful because as we've seen in WWE, the rotation of titles that mean stuff to where like, you know, at one point in time, like the intercontinental title was prestigious. And now it's like, Oh, that's Ricochet's title to hold off TV for eight months. Right. So I don't, I ho- I hope it ends up being really cool because, I mean, uh, NWA for a while had a ton of titles. You know, Memphis had a crazy amount of titles and they made it work. It's just like anything, you have to be very intentional with the booking of it and the presentation of it. I, I hope it's awesome. I hope it ends up being a really cool thing. I don't want it to be like, oh, well, we have another title as a prop versus, you know, an award Absolutely. or that. What are, what are your thoughts on it, Jake? I like it. I like the idea of having a title that is defended purely by uh, people of foreign nations. Um you know, you kind of you're you're going to get some interesting matchups that you don't normally get. Like uh, Miro versus Ethan Page was phenomenal. Uh, it, it was it was a fun match, and so far the matches that we've seen are are great, fun matches. So um, I'm excited about it. I am on the fence about AW having too many titles because supposedly as of now ROH is going to be its own separate brand where there's not a lot of uh crossover um from what we're being told at least and so i hope it's true so far we have seen nothing that would prove that and i understand that i do because right now but but also right now you got to think they don't have the TV contract announced yet for ROH um you know it's a, it's almost like to me would it have been better i understand they wanted to do final battle and everything would it have been better to hold off instead of doing like hey this is the last hurrah for ROH we're going to it's going to be separate from AEW. It's going to be all this. And then it's an AEW heavy card. Would it have been better to not do anything with ROH until the TV contract's ready, then have a big pay-per-view to kick it off and then be like, Oh, by the way, we're going to be on TV every week starting next month or something. I can understand that. Like I can understand that thinking. My, here's my thinking on the whole thing. And 
I'm not saying that this is gospel. I'm not saying that this is exactly what's happening. But making making people understand, hey, this is not going to be just more people added to the AEW roster and ROH is going to have all this crossover, blah, 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 blah. I think they the way they announced it, they could have the big. They had the big show in Dallas. They've ha- they had. Did they have Final Battle? I can't remember if Final. I know the one in Dallas was Supercard of Honor. That that's what it was. Supercard of Honor. Final. Um, they did do Final Battle, and that's where like Braun Strowman showed up. Right. And then they didn't do anything. And then they're like, oh, hey, by the way, here's Supercard of Honor. It's like, oh, sweet. ROH is relaunching. And then it's like, hey, it's it's been two months. Are you still there? I think what they're doing is playing the ROH brand to a national audience right now to prepare for a bigger unveil. Like, hey... Look, <clears throat> here's FTR, your tag team champions. Here's Mercedes Martinez, your women's t- champion, who a lot of people think is just, oh, they put it on an AEW person. Well, she joined AEW and then won the ROH title. Like, she was only on screen for about a month. So I'm not going to say, oh, they just put it on an AEW person. That's not really what how I see it. Um, but... You know, it's it's a chance for them to play these people and some of these this talent to a national audience. Like, I have a strong feeling that Jay Lethal is going to be like one of their top guys when they go back to ROH. Um, I kind of have a feeling Samoa Joe will do that too. I don't think Samoa Joe is going to be full-time in AEW. I think you're going to get slight crossover. I don't think it's going to be a fully, hey, this is over here and this is over here and never shall they touch. Um, So I think you're going to get like Samoa Joe going back and forth. Um, CM Punk, you're missing a golden opportunity for CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. Bryan Danielson to go over and make appearances over there. Um, So... I think we're going to see some crossover there, but that's that's what they're doing right now in my eyes is they're trying to go, hey, all these casual fans have never really watched a- ROH. Let's give them a taste. Right. And, hey, here, here are your belts. Like, here's the brand. Watch it. Like, and so whenever it becomes a thing like you'll already have some of this pre-work happen and it's not just been, Oh, well the last time there was an ROH show or we saw anything that said ROH, it was uh December, 2021. Right. I, I don't think AW would do this. I would like it if they did either a press conference or if they did, even like a draft and they were like, here are the people from AEW who are going to be your ROH roster. But here are also the people who were strictly ROH people pre AEW taking over. 
Like, I think that'd be awesome. Like, <clears throat> like create some, like, it would make sense. All the press conferences they did leading up to the launch of AEW. Right. You know? I think I think we're going to see the launch of ROH, and it will be alongside a TV deal of some kind, possibly HBO Max. I think, like, honestly, and if Tony does have the full rights to the library, like, if that's... Obviously, it's not going to be anywhere as big or as popular as, like, Peacock having all the WWE stuff just because the audience difference. But, like, that's still a huge, like, yeah. for HBO Max, that's a huge selling point to where, hey, instead of having to pay for Honor Club or something like that, hey, you pay the $10 a month for HBO Max, you get all of HBO Max, but, hey, you also get the exclusive rights to ROH. Yeah, here's all the here's all the old CM Punk matches. Here's all the Jay Lethal yeah. matches. Here's, you know, your Ada, your ROH originals. Here's Kevin Steen. Here's El Generico. Like, all of a sudden, you have all this all this on TV, on HBO Max at your fingertips, and it's all we've really ever wanted. Yeah, to be I, honest, I know. AEW would because people have also been wanting the same thing of like, well, could we get AEW on there? Like, is that an option to where you know we could watch replays of AEW on HBO Max right. or you know we could watch the pay per views? I don't think that's something they're going to be doing anytime soon. I know HBO Max and all that, like. They're connected so, with Warner at the same time. But it's also like, like for me, as somebody who doesn't have cable, as somebody who's not willing to pay the astronomical fees of <clears throat> of YouTube TV or of cable or anything like that just to watch AEW, like I'm very interested in there being an option like this to consume it. So... I learned I learned a thing the other day and um BR live okay BR live it's the bane of our existence it sucks I've something to say about BR live too but I'll let you finish I learned something the other day about BR live Did you know BR live is owned by Warner Media I did not, but I'm not surprised. So, BR Live, as far as I was told, and I'm gonna I'm gonna Google it while I'm telling the story just to make sure. Um, BR Live is owned by Warner Media. Uh, from what, like I said, from what I've heard, and that's why you don't get your, um, that's why you don't get this stuff on other forms of. Uh, pay-per-view, like fight, like what I would give for fight to be able to have AW pay-per-views again, because it's leaps and bounds over what BR Live is. Yeah, Turner Sports Digital is who owns uh, Bleacher Report. There you go. 
So that explains why we only get AEW pay-per-views on traditional pay-per-view and BR Live. So I think if let's if if we were able to get HBO Max with AEW, I think we would be able to see the the AEW pay-per-views at least right away on on their own streaming service, maybe even built into the HBO Max deal. I would pay twenty dollars a month to get I, all I of was HBO just about Max. To say. Like all of HBO Max and AEW pay per view. Do an additional tier for it. Right. Um, I mean, golly, I don't know how many times we've talked about it um, since the inception of this podcast. You know, there were the rumors like WWE would send out the surveys for the network of like, well, would you be willing to pay for different level tiers? Like maybe, you know, there's a basic one at $5 that has just current stuff. You know, $10 is this, but hey, what about for $15, $20 a month, you get all this additional content. Yeah. Like, and they were uh, even talking about like indies being yeah. added on there. Like adding stuff like, like there was the talk of would you be interested in seeing stuff like Ring of Honor displayed or seeing stuff like Beyond Wrestling and Evolved. I can't remember who else, but. Right. It was basically like, a bunch that they were working with already. <clears throat> I but, say this with a lot of consumer products. Like, it's not that people don't want to spend their money; it's that they're looking for a reason to spend their money. Right. Like, I will gladly spend my money on pro wrestling if it's worth it. All I ask is that you give me a reason for it to be worth it. Like, right. the network is a no-brainer, just because of the now, like the Peacock <laughs> interface is awful. It's garbage. To, it's to garbage. navigate. But it's like, you know, do I but watch it all the time? it's still all there. Yeah. It's like, do I watch it all the time? No. But I love that I can get on and I can watch anything from shows to documentaries to specials to collections like you're watching. Like it's... Right. But like... It's well worth the money. And it comes down to, is it worth the $10 a month for what you view? Absolutely. At least every Sunday night, I'm watching... Peacock. At least every Sunday night. Sometimes more. There's sometimes I'm at work and I'm like, man, I would really like to watch a match, a certain match right now. I'm going to pull it up. And then I watch it and then I turn it off. It's and worth it's, that. And it's like, I know AEW's talked about, hey, well, you know, they're going to launch their own reality shows and like behind the scenes shows. And it's like, HBO Max, a platform like that would be perfect. They're all under the same banner. Yeah. Like, it's not going to... I'm not going to go out of my way to get cable to watch this and then go through the trouble of, well, if I can't catch it live or can't record it live, well, then I got to go through and I got to sign up to get the TNT app or the TBS app and pray and hope that they have it on playback there or otherwise I'm screwed out of it but having it all in one place to where it's like hey you're an AEW fan we just found a way to get you know 20 bucks a month from you right by doing this and even you know then this leads into Tony Khan being able to hey well let's work out a deal with New Japan to 
host some of their stuff on there or right. hey let's work out with some of these indies that we love to do that. like the possibilities are endless it it's just a matter sense. of waiting and seeing it only makes sense yeah i you know and there there is some logistical things there but you know there tony has even spoken about how at a couple different events they were hosting warner media execs Warner Media Discovery execs. So I think this is something that's in progress. I really do. It is. It's going to be really interesting to see if it comes to fruition. And I think a big part of it will be that ROH uh, catalog, including all their new stuff. Because there's no company yet that has exclusively gone that's weekly that has exclusively gone streaming. Mm -hmm. So why not make ROH that banner? Yeah. And every week, every Sunday night, you know, every whatever night. Like look at what it did for NXT originally. Right. Like people were tuning in to watch it. That's the whole reason I had the had the network for a long time. Was I was only consuming NXT. And it's like we have the opportunity to do that with ROH. Like our ROH has had its time on TV. Like you're not gonna get a bigger audience than you had on public access. Right. Like if you if they get a deal with TBS or TNT, like awesome. You're only reaching a fraction of people who still watch actual TV. Right. Like you put it, I mean, that's what everyone was like, man, like Fox is be or SmackDown's being moved from USA to Fox. You know, that's, they're getting off prime time network. It's like, no, they're in more homes than ever because they're on a channel that, Hey, I don't have cable. Yeah. Hey, you can buy an antenna like me and my wife did just to watch local news. Hey, and I can watch SmackDown. That's why I watch SmackDown the most because I can watch it and it doesn't right. cost me anything to watch it. I, and their, I and their ratings no-brainer. are showing that. Yeah. Like it's a it's a no-brainer to make it as accessible as possible, especially like with like lean into the whole like, hey, ROH has always been an underground internet thing. Okay. Put it on and, the internet. Yeah, put it on the <laughs> internet. Pioneer, they did it with in 2010, 2011, when they launched the whole HD net thing, they were like, hey, we're going to do it on here. HD net sucked, but it was the right idea. They just need to do it again. I mean, right. for crying out loud, like if you're going to put dark and dark elevation on YouTube every week, put ROH behind a paywall on an app, and there you go. Do what, do what Impact is doing with their weekly show, and you can pay... X amount of dollars a month to watch it on YouTube. I think it's like two dollars. Yeah, like nobody's gonna so, be like, "Oh man, ROH." It's not what it used to be because it's on YouTube. It's like, dude, just yeah, be glad you're not, more accessible than yeah, ever. Yeah, be glad you're not paying twenty five dollars plus to order a DVD to be mailed weeks after, so you can read your Meltzer report right. and watch right. it weeks after. So, uh, you know, AW had a really good dynamite. Um, the Young Bucks become the first 
two-time AEW World Tag Team Championship or champions, which out of all the tag teams out there, I'm I'm not surprised. Not not surprised one bit. Um, that just goes to show that I really think they were going to put those titles on the Hardys. Mm-hmm. They had already made the decision that the Christian heel turn was going to happen, and, and they needed that catalyst. It desperately needed to happen. Yeah. And now we get the best Christian because yeah. Christian is best when he's a heel. Mm-hmm. And it's like nothing that, against the Jurassic Express, but it's like you brought Christian in. You had arguably a greater return story than Edge. Yeah. That, you know, hey, Edge is body healed to where he could miraculously come back from a neck injury. Well, Christian's coming back from brain injury. Gets in the best shape of his career, you know. Looks challenges, like a million bucks. Yeah, challenges Omega for the titles. Like it's this crazy, crazy thing. You know, he has the shirt outwork everybody, and then within three weeks, he's with the Jurassic Express, and has done nothing of value since. And oh, that's not to you know throw shade at the Jurassic Express, right. but it's like, is that the best role for Christian no. to be in? No. Same thing with like a man, like with some of the, like with Miro, when Miro first came in, like the best man thing was entertaining for a little bit, but it's like, man, like, but it ran its course really quick. Yeah. It's like, I know he wanted to get out of WWE, but like he's doing worse stuff than he was doing in WWE. Like he's at least in WWE, he consistently got airtime and right stuff like that. Um, so it desperately needed to happen. I'm excited. Like, let I'm really AEW excited doesn't about have it. enough like heels like that, right? And one of the best things about this is <sighs> Jungle Boy is one of the four pillars of this company. Like this, he is part of the ground that they're building this company on. He will be a world champion. He will be a huge star for them. He's already so over. Now, you get a chance to put him with heel Christian in what could be a banger of a match. Not saying it's going to be because we can't, we don't know. You know, he may he he may not be able to stay in the kitchen, as they say. You know, he may not be able to handle the heat. And it's but, one of those things, you know, it gives Jungle Boy the opportunity to be elevated. It gives Christian relevancy to continue his career. Right. Like he's gonna do more he's gonna do more in a program with Jungle Boy than he's done, you know, the s- seven, eight months of being their manager. Standing behind them in his bomber jacket. Right. Like. And that's what I'm most excited for is we're going to get to see Jungle Boy have arguably probably one of his biggest matches of his career mm-hmm. against a certified Hall of Famer. What else could you want for the kid? Right. And like, El- he's doing what this business is designed. You use established talent to get over younger talent. Right. And you can do it without, man, Christian's Build worthless. He stars. just lost. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, go ahead. 
I was going to say, going back to the tag title situation, it's going to be real interesting um, to see what happens to Matt Hardy. Yeah, because um, I feel like he's been kind of lost without Jeff. Mm-hmm. And he's um, another example of, you know, he came in, hot, hot steam, had that program with Sammy. As soon as, you know, the House of Hardy front office at first, it was like, okay, let's see where this goes. And then it's like, man, this is just like they ruined Big Money Matt. And Big Money Matt was incredible in ROH. Right. And but now it, just it's, be- it, it just wasn't fun. It just was uh-huh. not what the problem is, is he came in so hot, but there was no crowd to be there. And that's what really was his undoing. Mm-hmm. Um, because his characters are super based on crowd reaction. And, um, you know, I would have loved to see the broken universe there with a crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, but like right now, he just seems lost without his brother. And I... There's, I, I want to say this very carefully. There's, look, there's always going to be value in the Hardy names. But oh, right absolutely. now, there's no value in the Hardy names because Jeff is, Jeff is out. Matt, now without Jeff, it's like, well, is he going to go back to, you know, his front office? Is he, is it going to be like the end of his WWE run where it's like, <laughs> He comes out and plays the hits, you know. He'll, right. He'll shake his hands. He'll yell delete a couple of times. He'll bust out well, a twist of fate and call it good. It's like, what? And what is there know, for Matt Hardy to offer? We all know Hardy is on, both of them were on the backside of their career. This was probably going to be their last tag team title run, probably their last tag team run, period. Mm-hmm. Um, And like I said, it's just going to show you that they were going to put these titles on Matt and Jeff because they knew they wanted to get, get them the run and knew there wasn't much time left. Yeah. So, you know, and it was, it was simply to get them that tag title run so that they both, they could say the Hardys have won every major tag team title except maybe IWGP. I don't know if they ever won the IWGP title. They have not. It's, it's just But at one least of those, every major one in America. Yeah, and it's one of those things to where it's like, you know, we talked about uh, the match at Double or Nothing. It was You bad. know how it was, it was bad, and it's like, it, I get why they do it, because it's their shtick, but it's like, at what point are we going to be like, okay, we don't need the Hardys and ladder matches anymore? Right. Because, like, Matt's bow-legged and he's walking like Iron Sheik now. Like, right. Jeff is sandbagging every swanton because he can't do it safely without hurting himself anymore. Right. And so it, it's, you know, it's not, I don't know how you give either one of them, especially Jeff, I don't know how you give either one of them a, nice deserving send-off because I don't I don't think they can have that one last good match if that makes sense I, I think that shit I don't is think sailed so I 
Now, don't do it like the Dudleys where their last tag team appearance was in WWE. They come out. They have like a three-minute match on Raw. Uh, Bully Ray grabs the mic. He's like, we're done. We thank you guys for everything. We love you. And it's like, right. I think he said they just retired. And then that was it, you know. Right. I don't know. It's just, it's a sticky situation. Um, I want Jeff to get help. Uh, first of all, um, and yes, like we, we, we both were on here excited about him leaving WWE. Um, but you know, we have realized since then that he lying is not the right term, but he misinterpreted the truth by saying that he was completely 100% sober and what he was really just talking about was probably drugs. Yeah. It and, and we don't know for sure, but it seems like, you know, hey, I'll pass your drug test. It's like, okay, but can you pass a sobriety test? No, he cannot. Like, you know, uh, inhibiting your brain is inhibiting your brain. Right. It doesn't matter if it's painkillers, if it's sleeping pills, if it's hard drugs, if it's alcohol, whatever, like... It's all the same. Um, it's we want Jeff I, to get better. We, you know, look at literally like Moxley's doing the best work of his career exactly. since getting sober. I wish we could say the same about Jeff, but it's been the same story. I don't want to give up on him. I hope he does what's right, but Matt, I don't. I don't know if he will. Matt did some of the best work of his career after getting sober. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just, I don't want to hammer on it because I'm tired of talking about Jeff Hardy. Like, I am I love the guy and I want him to get help, but I'm just so tired of making excuses for the guy. You know, we, and, whenever we did our tribute to Scott Hall, it was, you know, for the longest time, Scott Hall and Jake the Snake. Yeah. You were not surprised if they got a DUI. You were not surprised if they got fired or if they got in trouble. You would, you would not, not be surprised if it's, it came out that they were dead. And it's like, well, yeah, like, how did they not die sooner? Right. And I think we saw Jeff Hardy's final televised match. I think we did too. There's, I mean, I don't think there's enough good graces in the world anymore for mm-hmm. him to come back and af- if he hasn't gotten help. I know we're talking about something serious, but I have to say this. I'm getting ready to watch CM Punk versus Sick Nick Mondo. Oh, beautiful. CM Punk grab is on the apron to enter the ring. It's during his entrance. He flips over, much like a buckshot lariat. And do you know what Mr. CM Punk does? He buckles. He buckles and falls flat on his butt, even back in 2003. That's amazing. But going going back to this, and then we'll, we'll move off of it. It's, yeah, we need to. Like you said, I don't think there's enough good graces. Um, I mean, Jeff openly rejected the, going into the Hall of Fame when yeah. he was leaving WWE. I think there's still some equity in Matt being in the Hall of Fame. But Absolutely. It's one of those things. I don't think they'd put in Matt Solo, and I don't think 
anytime soon they're going to be willing to give Jeff that kind of publicity by putting well, putting him in. Matt's solo career in WWE was not really worthy of the in- induction. Nope. Um, his greatest moments were Hardy Boys. Yeah. So, and um, what happens when one of them shoots them in the foot? They're both you, gone. You both. It's both gone. It's been it's it, been a heavy week for wrestling fans. I I'm my last thing about this, and this was going to be my original point. Um. I think we're I think we're pointing towards a winner take all match with FTR and Young Bucks, and I think FTR is going to pull it off. Um, they're going for the IWGP titles. I don't see them losing those titles, losing the titles they've got. And they, I, if they can literally carry four titles at once, it's going to be some of the biggest things that uh, AEW can do. And they deserve it. I mean, time and time again. I mean, I heard this take this week, and I wholeheartedly agree. I think Dax is the Mm -hmm. single... Like, I know he doesn't want to be a single guy. He's, move for move, the best wrestler in AEW right now. He is absolutely the best. He is the best active wrestler in AEW right now. Yeah. Possibly the most... Possibly the United States. Yeah. And we're in the conversation for the world. Yeah. Like, literally everything he does looks good. Nothing looks bad. Did you you get to see any of his match with Osprey? Yeah. Case in point, you have literally... It's literally like... Makes me want to do the gold dust. I know. (laughs) Oh, barely. It's one of those things like he... I know he doesn't want to be a singles guy. If they pushed him as a singles guy, he'd be the top be wrestler world in the world. He'd be yeah. world champion. I know that's not what he wants to do. Yeah. But it's and that's fine. Fr- it's frustrating that literally the best wrestler in AEW has to lose his singles matches because he's a tag team guy. Right. I get that Osprey's coming in and he, we're trying to make a big deal yeah. of it. Yeah. But it's also it's like and, and this is not necessarily shade on Orange Cassidy, but it's like, why did Orange Cassidy come out for the Will Ospreay match? Because if Will Will's this, you know, tough wrestler guy, he he's this top dog from Japan coming in, has a banger of a match, and then it's like, well, once you get to the point in the Orange Cassidy match where he kicks it, sunglasses come off and he kicks it into high gear. Then you could have a banger of a match, but it's just right. like FT, FTR has been done dirty time and time again. Yeah, they have. They It should be like Road Warrior level where, yes, they're a tag team, but they should be the main event unless they're, they're single wrestlers that are better and selling more than them. They are absolutely the best tag team in the world right now, possibly of the last decade. It's just, and, it, and it's all due to the fact that both of them just understand perfectly how to play their role. Yeah. They, uh, and there's ahead. no better person for them to lose a singles match to than Will Ospreay. Because he took Ospreay to the limit. Mm-hmm. 
What were you getting ready to say? I was gonna say they like they're literally they're the greatest tag team there is currently. Yeah. But they still haven't been given the proper platform that they deserve. They've they've teased it. But it's like you you watch it and you know they're supposed to be a great tag team, but it doesn't feel like man, like they're like they're in the same breath as the Road Warriors or the Rock and Roll Express or I I think that's about to change. The, and I I hope it does. I hope it's not like all right, tag titles have been defeated and then in a couple of weeks it's like here are the Lucha Brothers again or you know right. Here's Jurassic Express and, and just all these things. It's like it needs to be like I put them at the top of the mountain and keep them there until they're not selling tickets anymore. I think we're about to see them looking like that picture of Ultimo Dragon. Hey, they they need to. Which, even if they hold the IWGP titles for a week, like, they have got to take advantage of that. New Japan can reach a whole new art, a whole new audience by putting that title on American te- television. Um, what a... One of my favorite things, and this is 06, I believe, maybe 07, when TNA did their global impact tour in Japan and they did a live televised event. One of the coolest things was the Dudleys won the IWGP tag titles and they came out with them every week on TV. But putting them on people like the Dudleys, it, you know, as an American fan, Who's like, well, how are those titles better than, you know, the TNA titles or the WWE tag titles? Right. Seeing them elevated by talent like that added all the validity to it. And I think we could see FTR do that for American audiences. But I mean, it, it, you know, it's the same idea as Jericho being the first AEW champion. It validates it. And, and think about what they could do in Japan. You know, we're talking about the second coming of Arn and Tully. We're talking about, like, the guys that are always going to be remembered as the tag team. Right. And, you know, they they go out there and they work a hell of a match and they kick ass. And, you know, they're the, the working man's champions, like... They've they're proving themselves time and time again that they can play both sides of the coin to perfection. You know, he can be they can be heels and be the most despicable tag team in the in the sport, or they can be baby faces and be the most over baby face there is. When they can when they come out and AEW right now, they're getting bigger pops than. 90% of the roster. The only people getting bigger pops right now are like John Moxley and CM Punk. Yeah. And then they were planning on putting CM Punk with, with FTR for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's like, they, they like, like I said, they need to put them at the top and keep them at the top as long as possible. Like they, they deserve that validation the fans deserve to see it like it's mm-hmm. it, it only makes sense. So um, let's get off the AEW talk. 
there, there's some more to go with that, but we've been, we've been rambling on this and I love talking about FTR. I could talk about FTR all day long. I, but Hey, they follow the tag team rules and that's all I care about. I love it too. I love that they're, it's built into their character uh, and it works as a baby face and a heel. Like the, it, it always drove me crazy. And like, <clears throat> there have been tag matches with the Young Bucks I like, but when it's like, oh, hey, it's been f- three or four minutes of spot after spot after spot. Right. And then the ref is suddenly like, hey, you got to, you can't be in here. You got to make the tag. It's like, what have you been doing for the last four minutes? We're it's we're like, lucky right now that we're seeing the two greatest tag teams of our generation. Um, And one is a spot monkey fest form of wrestling. And the other is a pure form of wrestling. And we're lucky to get both. Yeah. Like I will say that it's, you know, we've said it all the time. There's something for everybody and right. you're getting the biggest version of that. <clears throat> so, the biggest news in a couple decades. Yeah. This is huge. Vince McMahon is being investigated for hush money. Investigation has been going on since April. For hush money, which is funny. It brings a lot of interesting thoughts of up of other events that have happened, like Stephanie leaving, uh, you know, Hunter kind of stepping away a little bit. There's been some distance put on Vince McMahon by a lot of the people that are close to him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're not going to get into the specifics of it because it's... Hey, it's <clears throat> Tony's brother, Nick, is cleaning house. Yes, uh, and I do want to touch on that here in a little bit, but you know, we're not, like I said, we're not going to get into the specifics of what happened. All we know is there was hush money because of an affair. Uh, both him, both Vince and John Laurinaitis were involved. And that's what you need to know on that part. Uh, he spent more money on hush money for a sexual <laughs> encounter than he did the purchase of WCW. Which and is adjusted insane. for inflation, probably even more. Yeah, um, it's just insane. It's 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 super insane. No one was surprised by it except for people that don't follow wrestling. Um, that being said, <laughs> I will say a couple of things uh, <clears throat> on this subject, particularly that I feel like not many people take into account, and that not many people know. So in the in the steroid trials in the early 90s, you know, to quote Vince, Hogan, you turned your back on me in the trial of my life. <clears throat> in, uh, you like, you can go read the court documents. Like, in that, they have it legally documented that Vince McMahon admitted to having numerous affairs. He admitted to seeking multiple 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 uh resources and um game plans of addressing sexual addiction through counseling through therapy through all these kind of things 
it was like very blunt and open about it because the beautiful thing about when you go to court is they'll bring up stuff that has like he's on trial for allegedly giving steroids to the wrestlers and they're like, well, let's talk about your sex addiction. Like they're in court, they're going to bring up anything like I'm sure they'll bring up how the XFL failed the first time if this right. goes to court because right. that's just how court goes. Right. So he has the history of that. He is admitted to it. You know, there's the <clears throat> it's never been officially confirmed that, you know, there's stuff with Sable in the early 2000s. Like uh, you guys, we're not going to show it. We're not going to talk about it, but you can look up the whole Vince's Devils storyline. Um, I mean, think of all the backstage segments with Trish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like <clears throat> have all Linda's in a catatonic state. Like, yeah, like this man. We know Vince is the definition of an alpha male. We know he's the definition of an egomaniac. And we know he loves power. And I'm not saying this is right in any way, shape or form. Let me be absolutely clear about that. I don't condone it. I don't endorse it. The reality is in America, more so than other countries, people in positions of power are the gatekeepers of other people attaining that platform. Like I, <clears throat> I wrote a thesis over it um, in music school about um, sex abuse in the music industry. Yeah. And, you know, people were like flabbergasted when all the Harvey Weinstein stuff came out. It's like, that's, you know, that's been long going. We, you know, the clip of Roddy Piper and Bill Maher. Yeah. Where Roddy Piper jokes like, or he how'd you get pulls, the job? Yeah. He's like, how'd you get the job? You dropped your pants for the executive. Like it's all, I'm not saying any of that is right. It is a long going thing in every form of entertainment. It is a yep. long standing thing in almost every line of work to where it's like, Hey, I stand between you and what you want do this for me, whatever it is, and I'll give you what you want. I'm not saying that's right at all. You have no, the unfortunate not. thing of the people who, whatever they want, they want it bad enough to, to do those things. And that's, you know, I'm not saying that to defend the, the abuser. <clears throat> it's an unfortunate thing that those are the people, whether it's music, whether it's acting, whether it's wrestling, I mean, you know, it, it's been a long under unspoken but understood thing that WWE, primarily with John Laurinaitis, has been the gatekeeper on, you know, with all of his talent relations work the last 20 plus years since JR stepped down and Tommy Dreamer stepped down. You know, he's the one controlling what women they sign. Right. And, you know, there's rumors because none of it has been confirmed of some of the horrible things that he's allegedly requested and done cosmetic surgeries he recommended them getting um oh yeah i mean i mean it's all this thing it's well no surprise there's so many rumors of girls that were like yeah they told me to get breast implants or i wasn't going to get a job yeah like serena deeb is one of the big uh <clears throat> ones that have kind of been outspoken against that but yeah uh, it's it's frustrating um you know that people have to be, even be in situations where they have to do something they're gonna 
regret for the rest of their lives or they're going to have to do something to alter their body just to get the thing that they want. And it's horrible that there's people that have the power and the ability to put them in that position. Not, not that any of this is right. And I right, was, exactly. I say this. Yeah, we want to be but, super clear. But at the very least, from what the surface level seems, this relationship seems like it was consensual. Did she use it for power? Possibly. Um, you know, but I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shame anybody because right. Like, uh, it seems like on the, at least on the surface level of what we know is a consensual relationship. We don't have a lot of facts here. Um, there's even rumors going around on who the person was. Um, I, there were a, there was, let, let's just say there was a female wrestler that retired from the ring and got an office job. And, the rumor is that's who it was. But like the thing about it is, is the person who did, who was involved with this, uh, wasn't the whistleblower here. As far as we know, uh, someone within WWE is the person that came forward with this. And it seems like the, you know, the all parties involved were just okay with, you know, what had happened as far as the hush money and everything, because, Let's face it, uh, I truly, and most people truly believe this too, uh, Linda's only been with Vince for her political career and mm -hmm. uh, the status. Uh, you know, obviously yeah. they were in love at some point. Um, but, you know, staying with him through all of this, it, it has to be that. Yeah. She's using the McMahon name. And the the McMahon fortune, and it's one of those things. Wants. Like we don't want to shame her for that, but also like hey, do what you need it, to do. The, it's the same thing of like, well, and because everybody does this, and we could get on a whole topic of ethics. Everybody does this to some level, like to the point of like a little kid who eats a cookie out of the cookie jar, and they don't want their parents to find out. So what do you do? You lie about it, right? You know, if you have the opportunity of, man, I could sneak a cookie without mom and dad knowing and get away with it, you're more likely to do it, you know, then you grow up and you have your own career and you have friends that work and feel similar enough to where it's like, hey, man, instead of looking for the best graphic designer, I'm going to give all my graphic design work to Jake. Right. Because he's my guy. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's wrong. No, absolutely but then not. you get it bigger and bigger to a level where power and finances are involved to a crazy whole other level. And you have the opportunity for things to go really unfairly in a good way and things to go really unfairly in a bad way. And like you said, Jake, we don't have all the facts. The only people who know that all the facts are the people involved and the people that experienced it. That's the <clears throat> terrifying thing um, about all this is if it did start off as consensual and then it got bad, you know, how do you navigate the lines of when was the line crossed? Right. You know, when does it become 
oh, well, nothing was wrong until this point, or hey, everything was wrong until this point. And, you know, it's it's very hard to, I mean, good and bad examples of, you know, the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard situation. Right. To where, you know, it just because of your position, because of your power, it's either really easy to be attacked and it's really hard to be believed or the other way around. It's really easy to be believed, but you're untouchable so that you can get away with anything because people are like, oh, no, they're honest. Uh, you Absolutely. know, I trust them. And then you find out they're a horrible person or people that you assume are the worst people ever. And it's just because the person who, you know, brought up the controversy, you know, knew they could, the people would take their side and all this stuff. Um yeah. It's horrible. Time will tell. Um, you know, people have been joking about how, like, hey, Vince is going to be fine. He beat the feds once. He can beat him again. You know, he's beat all his competition. But then there's also, you know, with him being as open about, hey, like, until it's over, I'm going to step aside. You know, he comes out on SmackDown and says, you know, just like our signature WWE will be then, now, forever, and most importantly, together, and leaves. Um, it, It's just, it's going to be interesting. Um, It's very interesting that Stephanie was the one to come back and take yeah. over because it, <laughs> our, the other con, the other wrestling con has seemed like he's been doing his best to tr- help trim everything there is to trim in WWE. Um, most likely for the point of selling, most likely for, to the point of selling to his good friend, The Rock. So it's, it's it's just interesting how all this is unfolding. Like, I, it was, you know, there were memes of, before they announced Stephanie was coming back, that, you know, Nick Khan was going to take over. Right. Um, but now there's memes of now that Stephanie's back, she's going to rehire Triple H to his full responsibilities. And then NXT is going to start next week with the, you know, bright colored logo and the Triple H is going to smash it with a sledgehammer and bring back the gold and <laughs> black and right. Braun Breaker and all these guys are going to get fired and they're going to try and hire everyone back from AEW. It's just, I don't think we've had a more discouraging but a more big news week than we have Absolutely. this week it's been nuts it's been crazy um time will tell i don't know if this is something he can come back from i really don't um especially with all the rumors of insider trading and you know this has been known for a month and then a day before the allegations come out like Something like $2 million worth of stocks were sold. Like, uh, there's just a lot that's about to happen. Yeah. And it, I, it'll be interesting because nobody knows what's going on internally with, you know, the board of directors. And, you know, you don't know unless you're in there. But money and power do wonders in the country of the United States. Absolutely. You could li- like you could literally do if you've got enough money, you can literally do whatever you want in this country. I don't know Absolutely. if that's a good thing. I don't know if that's a bad thing. Are not to get 
Jesse Ventura level over here, but like our government le- leaders prove it all the time. Like, hey, if you got money, you do whatever you want. Like, commit any crime you want, get away with it. I'm not saying that's right. But no, it's a, absolutely not. But all not- we want is good wrestling. And hey, SmackDown was the best it's been in a, in a long time. Hmm. Yeah, and the champion was on TV. Imagine that. Yeah. Cowboy Brock is back. People, you know, I hope SummerSlam's going to be better than WrestleMania. I hope so. I hope we get those titles off uh, Roman quickly. At least, at least separate them again. Like, if either you don't, separate them or put them on somebody who's going to be there consistently. Right. I, I honestly think this is this is me booking. Uh, you know. And we'll 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 say this, and then we'll go on to our wrestlers of the week. Um, I think Seth Rollins is winning the Money in the Bank this year. Because it, I mean, obviously nothing's official till unless it happens. But the rumors were Cody was supposed to win it. I, as much as I despise Seth as champion, just because I feel like it's been overdone i think there's nothing better than for seth to become champion cash and money in the or cash and money in the bank become champion cody returns at the rumble challenges seth at mania you give cody your big baby face win do it all over again yeah give his rollins roads four for the last time um because it's worth it there's rumors that they're going to give cody the triple h 2002 return excellent where they hype it up i think they should like the, it take advantage of your talent, take advantage of your resources. It's, you you have a chance to take this feud, which is still hot, and I was tired of it. But they arguably had their best match out of the entire feud. On paper, it was the best match because it's the only five star match out of the feud. But they had their best match at the last meeting. So let Rollins prove again that he is a top guy because he is. He's one of their best workers. He's he's great. Let him prove that he's the top guy again. Get all the heat in the world. And then Cody comes back and takes the titles from him. Crowns himself as the baby face that he's always said he could be. Top guy. World champion. And then bring back the winged eagle title. Yeah. I, we we need it to happen. It's maybe maybe WWE to they had somebody high up on creative watching AEW and they're like, well, they don't have their world champions on TV. We don't need to have ours ours on either. Have Roman win the belts and then disappear. I oh. we we need that TV, we need that TV presence. It's like we were talking about with the you know Atlantic title. I hope it means something, but. Until it means something, it doesn't mean anything. Well, let's move on to the wrestlers of the week, shall we? Let's do it. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I will go first. So my wrestler of the week, it's... There are two people that got me into hardcore wrestling. Um, One being Mick Foley, but he's not my wrestler of the week. Hey there. And the other, my wrestler of the week, Sick Nick Mondo. There you go. 
crazy deathmatch guy, uh, retired very shortly, had some great matches. Um, <laughs> you can look up him and John Zandig jumping off um, the top of a roof into the bed of a truck. <laughs> yep. You can watch Sick Nick Mondo take a weed whacker to the stomach if you want. Um, or like me, you can watch him versus CM Punk. Um, great technical wrestler. Um, what stood out to me about him as a deathmatch wrestler was one, he wasn't like an overweight dude in black t-shirts and shorts, bald head and beard acting yeah. like, well, I'm this monster, but I'm a hardcore monster. He was like, his whole thing was like, he was mentally deranged to the point to where like no amount of physical harm could stop him. Yeah. Um, and then he put out a, I'm pulling up the name of it cause I want to get it right. He put out a documentary, um, called the trade it last time I checked, it was on Amazon prime for free. That's where I watched it. Uh huh. Um, but this documentary, the trade, cause he retired from wrestling fairly early studied filmmaking and then moved to Japan for a couple of years and just worked on tons of different film projects there. And then he moved back to the U S he's been doing a lot of overseeing a lot of the production for GCW. So it's by no accident that they have these cool things like, okay. Okay. Um, Mox's, I can't remember what match it was for, but the one where he's like it, the big, hype they did for him. Maybe it was for AEW where he's like in the prison cells and stuff. Um, Like he shot and filmed that. Like he's, he's done a lot of stuff, but this documentary yeah. dives into like, he really, basically it's a self-discovery documentary where Sick Nick Mondo finally uncovers, well, why did I do deathmatch wrestling? And it's because he had a really traumatic religious experience when he was younger and so he felt like for God to love him, he had to like take on all this abuse. Interesting. And so he's like, that's why I did deathmatch wrestling because I was like, it wasn't right for like Jesus to die instead of me when like I'm the guilty person. So like I need to take as much punishment. Um, that's, that's the last thing I thought you were going to say. Yeah. Like it super like it genuinely like one of my favorite wrestling documentaries. I need to get a physical copy of it. Like, very poetic, very beautiful. There's some great, like, this... It's not really a spoiler, but there's all these flashbacks to where it's, like, him, modern day, and then he'll, like, look in the mirror or look in the alleyway, and he'll see Sick Nick Mondo. And the end of it has hit Sick Nick Mondo, like, drowning in the ocean or something. He's um, he's a great filmmaker. Uh, yeah. From what I... From the stuff I've seen. it's It's great, like... He like some of these GCW video packages he's putting together. Um, some of these, some of the many documentaries they're putting out, and then just some of his contributions to wrestling. It's just great. Super undercover guy, never made it to big companies like CZW is the biggest stuff he did. Um, but if you haven't, you know, if you're brave enough to watch a death match, watch some of his stuff. But if you just want to, you know, Watch him do some great stuff on the indies. Look him up. Sick Nick Mondo. That's my wrestler of the week, Jake. Good wrestler. I really thought we were going to be the same wrestler this week. Um, 
my wrestler of the week is Mick Foley. Um, this is all started from the fact that uh, I started listening to uh, Foley as Pod, which they are three episodes in. I have listened to two of them so far. Um, the first one was The Making of Mankind, which was very interesting. It was very uh, inside baseball on how those last, like, that last month of him in ECW was. Uh, and that whole last month, he was uh, fine-tuning the character with Vince. And all the while, having probably his greatest heel run of all time in ECW where he refused to really wrestle. Like he would go in there and just like refuse to wrestle. Um, so it started there. And then I started listening to, uh, his newest episode. I think it's his newest episode. Um, maybe it was the first, yeah, it's the first episode that, uh, came out, uh, no way out 2000. And it's the whole story of No Way Out 2000. And as I'm listening to him talk about this and, you know, going into extreme detail, I realized I had never watched No Way Out 2000. Really? Yeah. So. Wow. I didn't have time to watch the whole pay-per-view. I literally skipped to his match. Um yeah, because the new the newest episode is I left my ear in Germany, um, so I'm I'm really excited to listen to that story. But uh, yeah, I never watched his retirement match. It's his it it is his retirement match. Like uh, it's Triple H title career versus career, and man, it's just it's such a great match, and it's. It's so violent and it was it's difficult to watch at points. Now I know it was his retirement match then he worked WrestleMania like yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, you know it's pro wrestling retirement. Right. But you know he really was done after that for a while. Um came back sparingly, did some TNA stuff but really it meant a lot and it was honestly kind of more of the retirement of Cactus Jack, if that mm. makes sense. Like, after watching it, that's kind of how I felt. Um, amazing match. I, I I can't say it enough. The bump off the, through the cell, damaging the, the ring. How they pulled that off, I don't know. How he's not dead, I <laughs> don't know. Knows. But, like, unbelievable. And it's now become one of my favorites. I'm going to go back and watch it some more just to catch all the nuances. But I'd never seen this match. It's so a, It's a great match. It's, it's crazy how of an underrated Hell in a Cell match it is. Right. And, um, yeah, Foley did not wrestle... F- for again for four more years after WrestleMania that year. So fun fact. Fast forward to I think it's Judgment Day 2003, Hell in the Cell, Kevin Nash versus Triple H. 
Mick Foley, because I read it in the book today, Mick Foley was, yeah, he was on the subway and some fan was talking to him and it's like, did you watch Raw tonight? He's like, no, like I've been traveling all day and they're like, they just announced Triple H versus Kevin Ash, Hell in a Cell. And Vince, or Mick Foley called JR and was like, hey, what it, because of my history with Hell in a Cell, since that's what I'm most known for, what if I was the referee for that match? And 24 hours later, Vince called him and was like, I love it. We're going to do this. JR told me all about it. And like, that's super poetic. Like, obviously, like Triple H and Undertaker have had longevity in Hell in a Cell, but it's like, you think of Hell in the Cell and you think of mankind, you think of Mick Foley more so than others. Like a man, they always talk about how Hell in the Cell ends, can end careers. Mick Foley is the only person who's been seriously injured from Hell in the Cell and right. career was altered because of it. Well, and it, it's crazy listening to him talk about this match because it was, Foley is very inside baseball when he's talking. He is mm. so descriptive and... He's such a great talker and a great writer. Um, it's amazing that he's got a brain left after all the yeah. stuff that he's done. But, um, you know, he's talking about the lead up and how really his promo before, before that Hell in a Cell match is actually speaking what Vince was actually going to do to him because he talks about Joe Frazier going out on his stool and one day I, I I think he said in December the year before he called Vince and he goes Vince I can't remember how to get home and he said I'm I, I don't remember. I don't remember things. Like, I'm forgetting things. Mm -hmm. And Vince goes, you've wrestled your last match. Yeah. Which speaks volumes of Vince right. taking care and of he says people that too. who are loyal to him. He says that, too, about, you know, that speaks volumes of what Vince, Vince you know, people think that Vince is careless and, and cold-hearted, but he goes, he had my best intentions in, yeah. in mind. And, and that's so, why in his 30s, Mick Foley retired and had an uber short career in WWE. And the only reason he came back for Royal Rumble and uh, Hell in a Cell, or Hell in a Cell, No Way Out, was he, they were grooming Eddie Guerrero to challenge. They were also... They also lost Stone Cold to an injury at that point. So they needed that guy. They needed that top guy. And 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 Mick was like, I can do it. Let me go out on my back. Let's let's have Royal Rumble. They were supposed to only have the one last match at Royal mm -hmm. Rumble. And then it turned in to No Way Out. And thank the Lord we got No Way Out because it's one of the greatest matches of his career. Um, so there's that whole aspect of it. He's just wonderful. Uh, I can't, I, I've always been a Mick Foley fan, but I'm even more now. Like I just, I listen to him talk and he's insane. Um, it's, 
he's so good at talking and telling his story and such a down to earth person at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like they, how he is known for being a violent hardcore wrestler, but the dude goes and spends all day on Christmas with sick kids. Yeah. <laughs> like his, if, if you guys have not read all four of his books, he is chill. That's not including his children's books. I highly recommend, um, mankind have a nice day. Foley is good. The hardcore diaries and countdown to lockdown. They are all in peck. Like literally some of the greatest books I've ever read just cause yeah. For a man who the rock almost turned his brain into hamburger meat at the Royal rumble 99. Like, Man is a phenomenal communicator, and you really yeah. get to see like the the depth of his compassion. And so, I highly I highly recommend Folia's pod. Um, go go listen to this podcast at this on the same breath. My homework for the week is piggybacking off of this. I don't care if you've seen it. Go watch No Way Out 2000. Go watch that mm-hmm. match. And then follow it up with, because um, this is how I followed it up. This is his two, two highest of highs for me is uh, right after it suggested uh, watching him win the title in the infamous That'll Put Butts in Seats mm-hmm. match. Good and old Tony Schiavone. It was tremendous to watch again. Is it the greatest match? No. But what a moment. Yeah. And that's what, like, nobody nobody could tell you what happened, you know, the first seven minutes of that match. Nobody remembers. Everybody remembers the end. Exactly. That's what, like, moments over matches every time. That's not to say right. you can't have great entertaining matches, but what are they going to go home remembering forever? Well, to piggyback off of that, my homework for the week Rewind a couple of years previous to 1996, Shawn Michaels versus Mankind at In Your House Mind Games. Um, I think this is the match that kind of put Mankind on the map as far as WWE goes. He'd been there, he'd been doing stuff, but this, like, you think of McFoley and you think of his hardcore stuff, you think of his crazy bumps, like even a WCW, like you think of him do the cactus clothesline and flipping over multiple guardrails or fighting on the ramp. But this match with Shawn Michaels is incredible. I think it's the best in-ring work Foley has ever done. Um, the storytelling is great. So if you've never seen that match or if you have seen it, watch it again. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. That's In Your House, Mind Games, 1996. Mick that, Foley versus Shawn Michaels. It's mm, that's an, that's another thing. Conrad asked uh, Foley if he ever had um, if he ever had regrets that he never had like a huge match at WrestleMania. You know, besides you know the match that was ne- the next month where it really didn't mean anything. Um. He said, no. He goes, I'm not Mr. WrestleMania. I'm more Mr. In Your House. (laughs) And I was like, he's like, I was the king of the secondary (laughs) pay-per-view. I was like, that's 
and like that match, like that, like you could have put that on one of the big four, and it easily could have been the main event, right? But you know, it just kind of shows what kind of guy he was. I, I love the guy. I'm, you know, I've got mankind on my, uh, on my mic stand. Um, yeah, phenomenal, a, a great choice. So, um. Landon, uh, let's go ahead and plug some stuff. We're going to be at uh, NCWO Heat Is On July 16th. That'll be a live brother fest from McAllister, Oklahoma in the J.I. Stipe Center. Follow me on social media at Kinzer Keel. Landon, do you got anything to plug? I've got nothing to plug. Remember NCWO, the heat is on. That is Saturday, July 16th. We'll be there. Come by bik.merch slash table to get some cards, maybe maybe some other goodies, some eight by tens. It's gonna be a great show. It's gonna be a fun show. This is without a doubt one of the most well done promotions in Oklahoma currently. Yep. Their shows are they keep entertaining. Like you go there and you feel like you're watching a show instead of like, man, this is kind of like a, a dumpster fire. Um, they're trying their best. They're trying to do something new and do something fresh, but they are willing to listen to, um, listen to their fans. And I think that's an important thing because without the fans, uh, wrestling is meaningless without the reaction. There's, there's nothing there. So absolutely Saturday, July 16th, VIP tickets are sold out. General admission is still available. So get that. But hey, just because you don't have VIP doesn't mean you don't get to meet the BIK brothers as well as other wrestlers. Come by, get some merch, bring some cash, some brother money, get some brother sauce. It's going to be a great show. There could be some brother sauces there. We have not uh, spoke with the venue, um, but we'll see. <laughs> but If uh, not, meet us at BIK.parkinglot slash brother sauce. We'll figure something out. Backslash trunk. Um, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, let's send them home. As always, it's so good being a brother because brother and out and brother and softly is just too sweet for life. See you guys next week. Oh.